and Pastor Joe Showblocker from Emmanuel Christian Assembly over in, in Barberton, and he and I drove down to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and were under the word of God and worship for uh, three days. Well, Tuesday, night, Wednesday, Thursday, came back Friday. It was just a wonderful time. Thank all of you for praying for us. Felt like the Lord really uh, ministered, and it was just a very wonderful time. Good time to be with Joe, but also to be and meet a lot of other people who love God and are serving Him. And, um, you know, sometimes we, I, I feel like, it, was it Elijah? I think it was Elijah that after the uh, confrontation with the uh, priests of Baal and the Asherah guys, all that, and uh, after that, Jezebel said, I'm going to get you. And he ran off and he said, I'm alone. Nobody else but me. And God said, what are you talking about? I've got 7,000 who have not bended their knee to this, so, to other, other gods. So just quit whining and get on about it, which he did. God gave him a task to do. But sometimes it's easy to feel like we're it. You know, there's not too many others, but there are. Just to assure you, God's got a big church. Amen? He's got lots of people who know the Lord. You can run into him. All the time, I, I was standing at this uh, bus stop or shuttle stop, and I had a T-shirt on. I, de- I even forgot what was on the back of it. And the guy came up to me behind. He said, I like your shirt. I said, what's on the back? <laughs> you know, what did I put on there? And it had something about faith and holding on to faith and stuff. And I turned around and looked at him, and he said, uh, uh, I forget what the back of it was, but the, John 3.16, and Jesus was on the front of it. I think that was it. And just believers from another part of the country, they were there on vacation, and, and we're just worshiping the Lord together. And uh, look for those moments. Look for the turtle moments. I'm going to write an article about that sometime. The turtle moments of God. They might come slow, but they're precious. They're turtles. All right, let's turn, take our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We've been looking these last uh, several weeks on the life of the resurrected Jesus uh, after he rose from the dead uh, to 40 days later when he ascended into heaven, what did he live like? What, was the, what, were, what were the actions that took place? What was he doing? And how he had, uh, we looked at various people that he had connect, co- contact with, confrontations with, uh, talking to Thomas, say, hey, just put your finger in my hands and my side. And, and he said, Lord, I believe. Because he didn't want to believe at first. So there's those kind of things. And... Um, and the people that he talked to, he ate with them. And he said, do you have anything to eat? And he ate with them in his glorified body. And he appeared to several. But Acts chapter 1 gives us a little summary of what was going on. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, uh, this is Luke writing. He said, my former uh, book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you 
will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The things that Jesus did, and we've referred to them several times in the last couple of weeks, he did various um, convincing proofs. He proved that he was alive. And I thought about that. Why would God, Jesus have to continue to prove that, they are, that he was alive? Because I think if they had just met him once, He's alive, they saw him, they talked with him for a moment, and then he was immediately gone. They would wonder, did we all just see a vision? What, did we dream this? Did we, did we not get it? Uh, but Jesus, in the next 40 days from his resurrection until the time he ascended to heaven, he said, you've got to know that I'm alive. Over and over again, I'm alive. Touch my hands, eat with me, see me, talk with me. And I want to teach you some things. I want to do some other things. But I want you to be a part of that. So the resurrected life began that with his disciples. And I think he wants to continue to do that in and through us as we go along. He wants to prove to people, convincing proofs, that he is alive. And that Jesus, the, the Savior that we serve, the loving uh, Messiah who's come, is still alive. And we've got to know that. We've got to bring that out to people so that we know we serve a risen Savior. He's not dead. He is alive. He also spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 3 there, he said uh, many proofs and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Jesus came and started his ministry with those words, repent for the kingdom of, of heaven has come near, out of Matthew 5, 17. But there was one who was with him from the, his very beginning on earth, and that was his mother, Mary. And we've talked about her last week, her story. If you go to the book of Luke, chapter 1, I want to continue with this amazing story of this very, very ordinary girl who God chose to use in, that, in Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1. Now, I'm not going to repeat all of this story because most of you know it or should know it, having read the Bible and having uh, thought this through. And we normally celebrate this around the Hanukkah time, the time uh, in December when people have chosen. But normally, Jesus was probably born in the fall during the Feast of Tabernacles. But it's okay. We are reminded of this story over and over again, and we see it and we look at it, the story of the mother of Jesus called Mary. Well, she was given an announcement to her by the angel. Now, let's go to verse 26. Six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And she said, don't be afraid, you will conceive, I'm down at verse uh, 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, you're to call his name Jesus, he will be great, and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord, will God, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom 
will never end. From the very beginning of the entrance of the promise, it talks about kingdom. His kingdom, there will be no end. King Jesus. His kingdom, his kingdom rule will never end. And she said, well, how can this be? Verse 34, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive a miracle, unable to give birth, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Nothing is impossible to God. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Well, we talked some about that, and I'll get uh, come back to that. The next chapter, or the next verses, talk about her... Uh, that adventuresome spirit where she walked about 80 miles from Nazareth down to Hebron where uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah lived. And um, that's what most historians and Bible scholars say. It was an 80-mile walk for a young lady who was between 12 and 14 years old. That's quite an adventure to be pregnant um, and to walk that far. But she came into the house of Elizabeth, and we, we can look at that, but I won't do that. Uh, anyway, and then she had a song. What I do, am deriving out of this is a pattern by which God brings a forth his uh, redemptive plan into the world. He chose a young lady to do that, Mary. She was highly favored by God. Please notice that she was a favorable person that God finally said she looks like she's a good girl. That doesn't what it says. It says that God favored her, God gave her the favor, and the Lord is with her. In other words, God gives his stamp on this girl. I, you're favored, and I'm with you, and you all are going to be the one to bring forth my son into the world. And in the bringing forth of that promise to her, and he was, his name will be great. He will save his people from his sins. All the promises were there were brought into her, to her rather, and that child was nurtured and born within her and then delivered through her, and it touched the world. The promise was brought to her. It grew in her and was delivered through her, and now the rest of the world has been influenced by that. It's changed the world around her. So what's the deal? Last week we talked a little bit about it. I want to continue that. God uses ordinary people. God uses people who are really ordinary. So there's hope for you and me. Anybody feel you like you're extraordinary? I know your mom thinks you are, but I mean, who else? <laughs> We're ordinary folks. We're just normal people, uh, nothing special. We don't have high pedigrees behind our name or whatever. And God chooses to use us. There's a scripture, if you keep your hand here, go to 1 John chapter 1. First, no, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 4. And there's a statement that we've got to grab hold of in terms of our walk, in terms of our prayers, in terms of about who God has made us to be and how he looks at this. He talks about to the church, friends, you know, about what's happening, about the spirits of the world around us and the spirit of the Antichrist that is here and all that. But he said, verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and overcome them because... The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Uh, 
somebody made this comment where we were down there at the conference. He said, uh, he said, you're bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. And I thought about it. I said, you're bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. What does that mean? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The power of God in you, the greatness of God is in you. You are born again. The Holy Spirit lives with you. God is great in you, and that's greater than you are on the outside. So in the spiritual realm, you can walk in victory. You can walk in, in uh, deliverance. You can walk in all the things of God. Why? Because greater is he that's in you. You're bigger inside than you are out there. In fact, the whole world, than he that's in the world lives inside of you. I can't get my head about, around that. Can you? Can you get your head around you that greater is he that is in you, the power of God in you, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, God in you is greater than he that's in the world. Now that ought to get us stirred up to something. We heard a word this morning about God's got a future. God's got something greater for us. God wants to use us in this, in this time because he's great in us. I think most of the time we ignore that. We said, oh, that's not it. I'm just, I can't do it. I can't witness. I can't talk to anybody. I can't do anything. Wait a minute. Does the Bible say greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Well, that's great. It's, it's, it's him inside of us. God using ordinary people. There are promises that God wants to give to us. He wants to bring to us. There are things that God wants to speak to you about and to me about in our lives that he wants to bring a promise to us. To us. Everybody say to us. Now, let's make it to me. God wants to bring to me. Say to me. Now, if you don't believe that, you're never going to have your ears open to hear God speak, are you? Well, he's not talking to me. I'm a nobody. I can't do anything. But the Bible says that he's, he's greater than us. So he's got something to say. His king, the king, has something to say to me, to you. It's part of the increase of his government, the increase of his rule in my life, his will being done in me as it is in heaven, heaven on earth, his will in my life as it is in heaven. So there's something that God will bring to us, might be in the area of need, it might be in the area of, of uh, um, where his grace is needed, hope and longing. Yesterday at the APS, we heard a story, and I thought, God, here's a group of people who believe that God spoke to them about touching lives in Akron, young women, older ladies, um, even men alike, touching them with a hope of life, walk for life. But that was a word that came, and people grabbed hold of that word, and they've allowed God to bring something about in them, and today, we're here, we hear the stories. That should not be unusual for any of us. Just any, any of us have a promise that God gives us. Places where we need to extend his grace. It doesn't have to be massive like an organization. It just could be to your neighbor or a family member. The second thing is those promises he wants to grow in you. When you receive his word, believe the reality there is nothing impossible for him. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Keeping yourself in the love of God. Now, I don't want you to stretch your neck too bad. Because, you know, you're just so comfy. How many are comfy? Oh, come on. You look like you're half asleep. What do you mean you're not comfy? All right. Maybe I could have, let's all, everybody stand up for a minute. Everybody stand up just for a moment. Oh, I don't hate to interrupt your naps. But anyway, 
I want, what I want you to do is turn around and look that direction right over there. You see that banner up there? It says praying in the spirit. This is out of the, the book of Jude, verse 20. Let's read it together. Building, building yourselves on your most holy face. The other side, read it together. Keeping ready for his mercy. Okay, turn around, back around here. I'm up here. You can sit down again. You have walked in this church over and over again and probably have never seen those words. Just because it's up there, you don't see them. But the power of the word is that God says, I want to work my word into you, and you need to build yourself up on your most holy faith. Building up, growing that word of God in you, it's got to get in you, and you keep yourself in the love of God while doing that. That's the book of Jude. It says in the scripture, so that what comes out through you will be life. It'll flow out through you, the promise to grow and believe God. You know, there's something about uh, us as people that we so tend to look at everything in the natural, never, nothing in the spiritual. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit ashamed because I have used this terminology with people over the years. Well, you know, we live in a fallen world when things happen, bad things. Well, you know, we live in a fallen world. Well, this bad thing happened. Well, you know, we live in a fallen world. I've used that phrase. I'm going to cut it out of my vocabulary as of today. If anyone hear you, me say that, just I give you freedom. Come up and smack Judy, not me. <laughs> because she and I are one, right? We are one flesh. Hit her, not me. No, no. I'm sorry, babe. I don't want anybody to touch you. What? I, I want to be stopped by putting my God as if I need to send him a notice to say, oh, by the way, don't you know that your world has fallen? Don't you? My attitude towards you, God, is that you're unable to do anything about a fallen world, and you need to know that it's fallen, Lord, as if he can't do anything about it. That is a surprise to him. So then that notice, in case you haven't heard, Lord, I'm stuck with disease and hardship and bad times and job loss and financial. I'm, I'm, I'm under all this. My kids, my friends, my relatives, the people, places where I work, I'm all messed up. We, we talk such lack of faith. We say as if God doesn't know that he has no clue that there's war going on in Ukraine, that there's people getting shot up in uh, grocery stores, that things are going on. But listen, God knows that and is able to gain victory in your life and mine through all that stuff. And I've got to allow his word to come into me so that I can be a light into that dark place. That we can stand for righteousness. We can stand for life. We can move on. We need faith to arise. Because if the church doesn't do it, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Because greater is he that's in me than who, he that's in the world. It doesn't mean that wickedness is going to be absolved right now. God knows. God's going to deal with wickedness. He's got it all handled. He's not surprised. He's our God. King. Hail to the King. We give him praise, but we've got to let that word come in me to work in me. 
Now, sometimes, let me just say this. Sometimes when I've gotten the word from the Lord, something, the Lord gives me a promise, I try to run around and get it right away. I'll just go do that. And he says, wait, 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 come back here, come back. Let this work in you. Let that word work in you. Meditate. Think about it. Grow in grace. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. So that when the time comes for the deliverance of that through you, it's going to have power and it's going to bring forth life. You see, it's the humility to submit to his lordship on when that takes place. To be sensitive to him. Say, Lord, here I am. Submitted to your grace. I'm dependent on you and I'll do that. And again, the bigger picture, what's the purpose that we're going to see the world around us change? The kingdom of God, your family, your relationships, where we are, our church, circumstances effective for his kingdom. Now, as, li- as we look to Mary's song, I'm sorry, we didn't read her song. We're looking to Mary and her story about that. I want you to look back down in Luke chapter 1. And beginning at 46, the Bible records her song, that she burst forth into song. It says, my soul magnet glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Verse 50. His mercy extends to all who fear him, hid from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. We call this her prayer, her song. But did you notice... Well, let me, let me just come back to her in some of her other responses. If you're, on, if you're in that, just look over the page, at least in mine is pay, my page, verse 29 of chap, uh, chapter 1, verse 29. The angel came to her, verse 20. She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. This troubled her, and it doesn't just say troubled, it was greatly troubled. She said, man, there, this is not just a little bit. I don't get it. There's something that's coming to me right now that greetings, those who are highly favored, Lord, Lord, be with them. She said, I don't get that. I, you, you, you talking to me? I'm, I'm troubled by that. I, this, is, this is out of my realm of thinking. Uh, not just a little bit, it's greatly. And the answer to the angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God, and this is what's going to happen. Verse 34, she says, how can this be? You know, it's okay to ask God questions sometimes. God, you're saying something to me, and I'm just going to look right back, and you say, how can this be? I'm a nobody. I'm small. I'm ordinary. How can you use me? You know, you try to, try to imagine ordinary in this situation. She said, the Lord, back over in verse 48, you've been mindful of the humble state of this servant. I'm humble, Lord. I, I'm a humble person. I, hum, and low and everything. And he goes down and he says, um, you can see down there, uh, he brought them down, verse, 
uh, verse 52 at the end. But he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. It's the ordinary. He comes to us. So try to imagine ordinary. Remove the, the, all the splendor stuff. Remove all this stuff over Mary. Come to this event with ordinary, not all the supernatural things we put on her. Look what happens. It's, it's just God coming to her, an ordinary people in an ordinary place, but no less able to do the extraordinary thing. Now, let me, let me just say some other words. He comes to the world's Nazareths, to towns like the town of Nazareth where she was. This was a very unlikely town in those days. In John chapter 1, Nathaniel says, can anything good come from this town? Wait a minute. You're talking about Nazareth. You're talking Messiah coming out of Nazareth. I don't believe it. That, that town is a mess. In fact, in the day, it was known as the city of garbage. And why was it named that? Because the, there was a Roman garrison, and the Roman soldiers would go through their city walking down their streets, so the people in their little minor protests would just throw out the garbage in the street and said, okay, guys, going to walk through our street, walk on the garbage. It wasn't a popular place. It was just a town in Galilee. But God came to that town. I mean, you know, I, don't you all feel sometimes whatever town you're from, you say, God would think of this town as something to come to, that out of this would come out of this would come some glorious things. Out of a little place called Suffield and a little church called Suffield Fellowship that God could touch the nations. I believe that he can. I believe that he does. I believe that he has done that. Whether it's to India or Israel or wherever we've supported. I believe that our giving even to APS yesterday is going to be instrumental in spreading the good news to another young lady in need. I believe God wants to use ordinary people in ordinary places to do amazing things. God refused to give his son a silver spoon experience, like we call it, born with a silver spoon in his mouth in his entrance to the world. He didn't need some sort of a um, contrived setting to get in the mood to do a miracle. God said, this is what I'm going to do. He sent his word of promise to that town. When I... Sometimes I think that I think differently than other people, but I try to imagine what this could have been. Can, can you just see Mary, this night ordinary, was Mary at prayer or was she doing dishes? Was she scrubbing clothes, hanging stuff to dry and an angel appears? The Bible doesn't say that, but we like to put her in this awe of, of this prayer and, you know, this holy moment, but she's just... Maybe going through life. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. We've all seen the pictures. Do we see a shaft of light coming down on her? And this little girl with this angelic look? I, don't, I doubt it. Was her face just dribbling with sweat, working out in the, in the yard or the house or the field, whatever? Who was she? Was it a, a quiet, convenient time for her? Well, Lord, if you're going to talk to me uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, it would really be pretty good. I'll fit you in. That'll be good. Or was it an, an intrusion like Paul or Saul, I'm sorry, on the road to Damascus, heavens open and Saul met the Lord? 
Was she poised and ready or just plain scared to death of what happened? She was troubled. Was she taught that she could be the one to bring the Messiah in? Maybe she was or was beyond her wildest imagination. Was she beautifully accepted young lady with all the, the social uh, finesse and perfectly dressed? Or was she just a plain girl with simple faith, raised in an ordinary home, scheduled for an arranged marriage like they all were in those days, headed for a predictable, uneventful future, married to Joseph? Was that just it? But the reality is, that she said, God, you've touched a humble person, and I want to praise you. You see, our lowly places don't stop God from dealing with us or giving us a future or limit our destiny. After all, God often uses those kind of places to do some good things. God wants us not to live without hope. God's willing to deal with the uncertainty that we face coming right after those things. Right now, he wants to touch. Let me just give you one more key on how she, as an ordinary person, responded to the Lord. She knew how to respond to the voice of God. Many times, we don't know what to do with it. She knew how to do it. When it came, she was ready for this. Luke 1, Her response he said, the angel said, no word from God will ever fail. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I like some other trans translations that say, let it be done to me according to your word. But she said, I'm your servant. I don't want to make any mistake about that. I know who I am. She had that question settled. She said, I belong to God. I serve him. There was no doubt about it. I belong to you, Lord. That's why many times when we sing songs about, uh, Lord, I worship you. I give you my heart. I belong to you. And she settled that fact. I am your servant. Many, many times we fight that. We say, well, I'm my own. I've got my own future. I've got what I want planned out. No. She said, let it be fulfilled in me. Let it be done to me. Let it happen to me. God, I am obedient, I'm ready. God looks at our obedience. He's going to see if we're going to obey him, if we're going to do according to his word what he tells us. We're not going to be those, I'm speaking this by faith, I'm saying we're not going to be those that say, God, just wait a minute. I'd rather you bless my plans than you change my plans and ask me to do your will. You see the difference? He's, oh, Lord, bless my endeavors. Did you ask him about that? Is this the destination, the thing that he has you to go through. Rather, she said, your word come to me. Let it be done to me. She was good soil. Remember the parable of the four types of soil? The good one was those who received the word of God and allowed it to work, and they obeyed it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It just gives that word to us. Present, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service of worship to say, God, here I am. A lot of stories in Scripture. Adam and Eve walked with God, and they didn't listen to his voice. They hid from God. Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Jonah heard a word from God, and he ran away from it. He did repent. Faith began a, another chapter in his life. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. 
Joseph, her betrothed, in Matthew 1.24, said that after the angel come, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. In this room right now, there are many of you who have wonderful stories, let me say it, <laughs> of failure and blessing. You've got some stories where you didn't do what God showed you to do, and you have the story to tell that. It wasn't a good thing. You also have wonderful stories where God spoke to you and, and God used you. And it's a wonderful part of that. When you responded to the voice of God, no matter the circumstances or need, you, you welcomed God's touch in your life. The question is for all of us this morning, is are we going to let God touch us, speak to us, work it in us, so it can come out through us to a world that needs to be changed around us. God has a purpose for all of us. Ordinary people that God wants to use like he did to marry the mother of Jesus. She was there from the beginning to his ascension and she was there at the end. She stayed true to the work of God that he began in her and then through her son, the very son of God who did that. How about you? How about me today? Doesn't have to be a big thing. They normally aren't. They start small, and then God gives you something bigger. God gives you something more to do. But you got to work at that. Say, Lord, I take it in. I receive it. I will let your word. Please, please, don't, don't become dull in your behavior with God. God takes this serious. Don't become one that says, well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do it next day. Do it now. What God shows you to do and follow his word, obeying his spirit. We're going to conclude this morning with a song that it, it might be an unusual one. We sing at the end of a service. It says... Uh, with the elders, Lord, we stand before your throne. We finish our worship time with Hail to the King. We're going to conclude our service with worship before our God. And in that worship, all worship in the Old Testament had to do with bringing an offering, bringing a sacrifice. I'm going to ask you, what does the Holy Spirit want you to give to God this morning? Here, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you everything, and I want to worship you. Would you join with us, worship team, come. Let's all stand, prepare our hearts to do that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come upon us this morning in a way that would cause us to not only lift up our eyes to what you want us to do, but that we would live a life of worship, a life that says, God, use me, a life that would say, Lord, I'm listening, and I will do, and I will obey. I will follow you. Lord, I'm not going to look at where I came from or all my stuff around me, but my eyes are on you. What a mighty, awesome God you are. We worship you this morning. May our hearts express that to you as we sing this morning.